Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. When others are being evil, you, because you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, are going to be honorable. When others are being evil, you will be honorable. The standard of the flesh is to repay evil with more evil. That is fair, and now we are even. God's standard is when someone does evil to you, you conquer evil by behaving in a way that is honorable. Honorable to you, honorable to that person who is doing evil to you, and being honorable to God. Does that make sense? That's huge. That's a a transformation in the way we think because we are driven. Our carnal nature is driven by fairness. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. We make this, this is on our DNA. So the idea of you be evil to me and I be honoring to you, that is is a transformation of the way we think. It has nothing to do with the things of this world. In the context of chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we sacrifice our personal interest. We sacrifice possibly our pride, maybe even our physical safety. We think not like this world. We think not like this world, but we are transformed and we seek to conquer evil by doing good. Does that make sense? That's wonderful. When you put it in the context of scripture, it makes perfect sense. So we're back to our question. Do you want to conquer evil? By the way, don't change your answer. Do you want to conquer evil? Yes, we want to conquer evil. We do not conquer evil by forcing others to stop doing evil. But Brent, it's my job to make everybody behave. No, it's not. By faith, by faith, remember, remember the righteous live by faith. We conquer evil not by doing more evil, but by doing what is honorable. Never more evil. Never more evil. Well, sometimes I think it's reasonable. Oh, it's reasonable. It's still sinful. And adding evil to evil doesn't make it good. (laughs) I heard a joke, but I can't tell it. It's racist. All right. So Galatians, I just leave that with you. Ask me later. Maybe I'll tell you. I don't know. We'll see. Galatians put the same principle into a little different metaphor, and I really like this because it just puts it right on the nose. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 uh, through 10, uh, it says, don't be misled. I like this because, because Paul is writing to a group of people. Do you know that we're pretty easily misled? Sometimes we, our thoughts, our deceptive thoughts, or somebody else offers an idea, and we're like, oh yeah, we could do that, and we get misled. We get fooled really easy. Um, in the context of my home, it's kind of like, just don't be a dumb-dumb. Whenever I write my translations, it's going, to be, it's going to be, don't be a dumb-dumb, because that seems honorable. <laughs> you cannot mock, listen carefully, carefully to these words, I need you to absorb this. Don't be a fool, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. God's justice will be. Then he goes on. He says, you will harvest You will always harvest. You will always harvest what you plant. All right? So we got this whole farming metaphor. 
What you plant is going to be what you harvest. That's not rocket science. It's farming. Verse 8, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from the sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest what? Everlasting life from the Spirit. Then he gets to verse 9 and he says, so if you plant evil, you're going to harvest what? Evil. If you plant good, you're going to harvest what? Good. It's very, very simple. So verse 9, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, when? Whenever we have the opportunity. Well, whenever I feel like it. No, whenever you have the opportunity. I love that. We should do good to who? To everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. That's great. So church, you cannot plant evil in your thought life. Brent, nobody knows about it. Nobody knows if I'm thinking honorable thoughts or not. Listen, if you plant evil thoughts in your thought life, they're going to become actions at some point in time. You cannot plant evil in your thought life. You cannot plant evil in your marriage. You cannot plant evil in your family. You cannot plant evil in the church or in your community and expect to reap righteousness. See, soap is a way of planting God's word, seeds into your heart every day that are going to bear eternal life. You cannot mock the justice of God. God set this up where it is a divine kingdom, eternal principle, where if you sow evil, you will reap evil. If you sow good, you will reap good. Don't think you can sow evil and and reap good. That makes no sense whatsoever. God will not be mocked. If you want to live a good life, if you want to live a blessed life, then sow good and blessings every chance you get. When every chance you get, especially, especially when you've been dealt evil. You all right? So good, even when you've been dealt evil. You can't lose your temper and expect others to remain calm. Right? This is common sense. You can't be irresponsible and expect those around you to be faithful. Doesn't make any sense. You can't be impatient and unkind and then expect there to be peace in your home. You can't embrace evil and simultaneously conquer evil. So then we're back to the question, do you really want to conquer evil or do you like it? Kind of enjoy it. Do you want to conquer evil? Then do what others will see as honorable. If you really, if you wrote yes on your bulletin a while ago, then do what others will perceive as honorable. Never do more evil. Always do more good. Be the blesser. 
I just wrote that in my notes this morning. I think that's good. Be, a, be the blesser. You be the one who blesses other people. Not just say, God bless you, and you really you're hoping that they go away. I don't ever do that. <laughs> I don't ever lie either. <laughs> I don't cuss. <laughs> I have to find something I don't really do. I do eat ice cream. Hallelujah. Be the blesser. All right? Are you with me? Never more evil, always more good. Be the blesser. And then now, every one of us who have the emotional maturity of a six-year-old is thinking in the back of your mind, but Brent, what about when others are being mean to me? Six years old. I'm saying that's a high standard because not all of us are there yet. <clears throat> Some of you are just like, I don't know. I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to overcome evil. If I have to be nice to people, then I'm not going to be, I'm not going to overcome evil. <laughs> I'm just not going to conquer it. <laughs> Got way too quiet. <laughs> Number two, what if people are mean to me, Brent? Number two, do all you can. Verse 18, do all that you can to live in peace with the people you like. With everyone, everyone, even those evildoers. There are two components going on in this verse. One, one, you do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Last, several weeks ago, I used the word onus, and several of you looked at me like I had lost my mind. So I did a little research. The word is onus. You should write this down. O-N-U-S, onus. It means used to refer to something that is one's duty or responsibility. Here's the deal. The onus is on you. The responsibility of peace is on you. So if one person escalates and you escalate, did we get peace? No. But it's their fault because they escalated. No your fault because you escalated. You be at peace. You lead peace. Again, I like the way you're looking at me. I don't think that's what the Bible says. Onus is not a biblical word. The responsibility of peace is on you, but the other person is the one being a jerk. That's fine. Make sure that you do not join them in being a jerk. But Brent, that's fair. Do you want to be fair or do you want to be righteous? As much as it is in your power, as much as it is in your power, I just want to hold on to that for just half a second because I think especially for men, we're like, I say men because I, I think like a man. I have no idea how a woman thinks still. That's fine. But as much as it's in your power, like I control my world, I'm powerful, I can do what I want to do. As much as it is in your power... And I would like to add to that because we're all people of faith. As much as it's in your power and as much as it is in the power in you, referring to the same power that raised Christ from the dead, you got the picture? There's you and there's the power of the cross. As much as there's power in you, the onus of peace is on you. Are you okay? Well, Brent, I just don't feel like I can make peace. Jesus split the grave wide open so that we could have peace. And the scriptures promise us in Romans 8, 11, that the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells where? In you. 
Bum, bum, bum. We should sell capes after service. We can do this. We can make peace. The second component, I wrote in my notes, be a superhero. Conquer evil. Live in peace. Don't be a wimp and always default to evil. Anyone can do that. The weakest thing you can do is default to evil. I'm going to say that again so that everybody hears me very clearly. The weakest thing you can do is default to evil. The most powerful thing you can do is bear the onus of peace. I just like that word. Be responsible. It's on you. Do all you can do. The second component, you do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. With everyone. Really, Brent? Think with me. Think with me. I'm going to take a long way around here. Technologies of all sorts, not just social media, but technologies for a long time. Technologies of all sorts have allowed us in our culture to live more independent from one another. Now, it's not just cell phones. It is, uh, we have fewer and fewer multiple, multi-generation homes, right? There was a time where you would have two or three or four generations in a home. We're getting away from that in our culture. Uh, we don't farm together. We don't raise our food together. So we're, we're, we're living more independent. We go to the grocery store and we act like we can't see each other uh, because we're independent, right? Because if, if, if I go to the grocery store with my wife and I say, hey, how are you doing? I'm Brent, Pastor Desert Heights Church. My wife starts hiding and she's got her buggy and she's going, you know, oh my gosh, she's talking to strangers again. Because that's weird in our culture, Right? We are wired to be independent. That's good. I should have written that in my notes. We are wired by our evil nature to be independent. I'll tell you why in just a second. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, one of many, John chapter 17. It's broadly referred to as as the high priestly prayer of Jesus, the Son of God. He's praying to the Father in heaven, and he's, he's pouring his heart out. And it's just this raw prayer that, that I love. And so in John 17, Jesus prays for his followers, for all of those fully devout, devoted followers of Christ. He prays that his followers will be one. Not just be one, but be one as he and the Father are one. Do you see the contrast? Fallen nature says, I need to live independent of everybody else. I can do this on my own. I don't need anybody. Jesus comes along and he says, I pray that the followers of Christ, the, the, those who have put their faith in, in God Almighty, that they will be one as Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit are one. That is an incredible standard of unity. Not independence, unity. You okay? This is a big deal. We live under the assumption that the best way to live at peace with others is to avoid them. God did not make provision for you to live gloriously in solitude. He made provision for you to live gloriously in the body of Christ, in the church, with fellow believers. That's where the glory's at. Hmm. I'm going to go out on a limb here since I'm already offending people. 
Our solitude, actually, I'm not, I'm not going for offending people. I'm answering my own altar call here, okay? Our solitude may enable us to live selfishly. Because living in community requires dying to ourselves. It seems that as we are in relationship with other people, we are pressured uncomfortably to give up our desires for the benefit of peace, for the benefit of everyone else. So I'll turn my air conditioner back to 70. My wife will turn hers back to 85. No, she'll... No. It's just an illustration. Don't go weird on it, okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? If I'm in my car by myself, I can drive as fast as I want, as slow as I want, set the air conditioner to my temperature, and I can go eat wherever I want, and I don't have to ask anybody. But if I go with my family, I don't always get what I want, but I get to be with people, and it's much more glorious. That's a good illustration. It seems that as we are in relationship with others, we're pressured uncomfortably to give up our desires for the benefit of peace and for the benefit of everyone else. Listen carefully. That is exactly what Jesus did. He could have stayed home. He could have stayed away from smelly, sin-filled people like you and the person sitting next to you. Uh, Instead, okay, you and me, Instead, he gave himself to make peace as much as it was in his power with everyone. That's incredible. So as a fully devoted follower of Christ, you do all you can to live at peace with everyone. The onus is on you. You'll have to build relationships with people. You'll have to share life together. You'll have to grow together, resolve problems together, succeed together and fail together and so on and so on. And my question is still, do you still want to conquer evil? because you're gonna have to do it in the community of Christ. And if the answer is yes, then you have to tend to your own attitudes and your own actions. Begin with all you can do. Don't worry about the splinter in someone else's eye. Seek a peaceful relationship with everyone. Good thing we don't sell sermons. This one's a dud. All right, number three. This one's not going to sell. <laughs> like, I don't like this sermon. I'm going to get a second opinion. Let's go to a different church. <laughs> number three. Number three. And then, and then, by the way, we will be out of chapter 12. It only gets worse in chapter 13. And in chapter 14 is where we really sock it to you. I can't wait till chapter 14. Don't love chapter 13. I don't like chapter 13. Let's vote. Should we skip chapter 13? No, I'm kidding. No, no voting. All right, number three, only do good. Only do good. Brent, we can't do that. Okay, watch this. In in, uh, Romans 12, 19, he says, dear friends, even Paul understands, he's got to make up for some lost ground here. He's like, dear friends, calm down. We're friends. We're in this together. Dear friends, it's a word hug. Dear friends, never take revenge. That's countercultural, right? Leave that, revenge, 
to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. So it's easy to justify revenge, especially if you're the one that has been offended, right? You scratch my car, I'll scratch your car. You are not the judge, jury, and executioner. I know we're Americans, so we're like, we got freedom. Well, no, you don't. As a Christian, you don't. You're not the judge, jury, and executioner. On Wednesday evening, uh, we, were, we are studying through 1 Corinthians. And uh, the first part of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is instructions about not suing fellow believers. I think that that's a passage that we tend to be pretty familiar with. But the part of it that we forget is in verse 7. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7, um, he is addressing if a fellow believer is suing you. So somebody comes after you, right? And they're going to take you to court and they're after your money or they're after your property, however that is. Uh, they're after you. Paul says, the Holy Spirit through Paul says, why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? Because we're Americans, Paul. I can make you do what is right. Or at least what I perceive is right. But Brent, if I accept the injustice, if I accept the fact that somebody is cheating me, that wouldn't be fair. That is not fair. That is not fair if they get something of mine that doesn't belong to them. That's not fair, said the two-year-old and a bunch of church people. Draw your attention back to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, because I'm not sure that we've got it all under our belt. I'm going to paraphrase. Giving the totality of who you are for the glory of God as a sacrifice, living and holy. He says, be transformed in the way you think. Just as Christ bore an unjust penalty for the sin that did not belong to him. Do you see where I'm going with this? Surely you and I can bear a little injustice until God takes care of it himself. Because if God sees it as really an injustice, he'll deal with it. You don't need to because you don't need to add more evil to the equation. Just be done wrong, Brent? Yeah. Gives you an opportunity to do the honorable thing and forgive. But of course, oh, we're not done yet. If I, yeah, we haven't, we haven't even landed. Here we go. Of course, transformed kingdom thinking is not going to just let that offense go and say, oh, just, it's an injustice, because the text goes on. Are you, are, take a deep breath. Whew. Verse 20. Instead, instead of what? Instead of revenge, when that person comes and does you wrong, instead of revenge, if your enemies, these are people who are doing evil against you, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. Brent, I don't feel like feeding them. I want to punch him in the throat. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. Don't just forgive them. 
Bless them. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. I'm telling you, this is, this is just really out of this world. So I'm going to explain it slowly. When you are nice, when you insert good into an evil situation, when you are good to your enemies, two things are possible. They're not going to happen all the time, but two things are possible. That without doing good, they're not possible. They're not going to happen. But one is, if you are good and you bless when someone else curses you, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. They will be ashamed of the way they've treated you. They are going to recognize that they are in the wrong and they need to change their actions. That's possible. Is it going to happen every time? No, it doesn't. <laughs> Number two, they'll stop their evil behavior. Hopefully, if they see that they are being shameful, they're acting in a shameful, evil way, they'll stop their evil behavior, and you have won them over. You will have conquered evil. Now, I like, I like it. I like the tension. I love it. Now, if you're just looking for drama and hatred, <clears throat> this is not the right plan. If you're looking for drama and hatred, then so evil, because then they'll give you lots of drama and lots of hatred. <clears throat> if you're looking to do all that you can to live in peace with everyone, then this is a very good thing for you to do. Feed your enemy. Give water to your enemy. Bless those who curse you. Insert good when someone else has inserted evil. We're back to the question, or I have a new question actually. Does God really expect us to do these things? I mean, these are all kind of crazy. That gets us to the last verse in Romans 12, verse 21. I love this. I really started to divide this into multiple sermons, but, but the theme of evil kind of bookends it here. So this is the, the second bookend here in verse 21. He says, don't let evil conquer you. I think that appeals to the bravado of every man. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil. How? By doing good. Now, some are content being conquered by evil. <clears throat> don't look around right now. Don't raise your hands. Some are just content. I am conquered by evil, and when people treat me with evil, I'm happy to be evil back to them. I am content being conquered by evil. I am content allowing sin to control my attitude and my actions. Some are content being conquered by evil, carelessly planting evil, not just in their own life, but in the lives of all of those that they want to love. Because sometimes we do the evil thing for the sake of love. Doing this because I love you. All right? Do you want to conquer evil? You wrote down an answer to that question earlier. I assume, I assume that you all wrote yes, um, for those of you that wrote. <clears throat> yes, I want to conquer evil. Yes, I want evil out of my life. 
I want evil out of my mind and out of my heart. I want evil out of my marriage. I want evil out of my family. I want evil out of my church. We don't want to come to a church that has evil, right? I mean, if, if there's evil in the church, it's the pastor's fault, <laughs> even if you're the one that brought it in. <clears throat> We want the evil out of our community. Okay, yes, you, you wrote yes, so here's the deal. Then you, then you, number one, never do more evil. Stop it. Never add evil to the equation. Never more evil. Number two, do all you can to live at peace with everyone, but very specifically with those that God has brought into your life. I believe that with all my heart, by the way. Number three, only, only do good. You okay? We will only conquer evil when you stop contributing to the problem and you only do good. God set the economy of good and evil up that way. And Galatians told us that the judgment of God will not be mocked. Don't be a fool and think you can do evil and get good. While I've been speaking, a situation or a relationship has come to your mind that you need to stop contributing evil to. Or maybe you know of someone who you need to make a greater effort to live in peace with. Or maybe, or maybe you've been contemplating revenge and instead you need to be contemplating a way to bless. You've been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We would like to invite you to one of our service times at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings here in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.